The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. Well, good morning. We are in a series. We're looking at faith in the New Testament, looking at different kinds of faith, exampled by different men, different women. We're going to look at a couple of women today. We're going to look at a, different, a couple of different kinds of faith, distracted and undistracted uh, faith. I'll tell you what, we do live in a very hectic lifestyle. I think USA Today put it right when they said today people are souped up, stressed out, overscheduled. In this brave new world, boundaries between work and family are disappearing. Everyone is mobile. Every moment of the day is scheduled with daycare, school, after-school activities, 10 to 12 hours uh, workdays. This pressure cooker lifestyle is so rare that anthropologists are now studying it to see how it will affect us. You know, the Bible has a lot of warning about, I would say, a souped-up, hectic kind of lifestyle. Let me just point out a few of the warnings and results of a hectic pace. Uh, number one, and you feel it, you, you will feel a lot more stress. And the Bible has a different word, even though it might not use the word stress. It does use the word anxiety. It says anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. And the Bible makes it very clear that even though we do experience it and it is there, uh, we're not to live this way. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, about your body, what you're going to put on. Is not life more than food and body, more than clothing? Philippians 4, 6 also warns us again, don't be anxious about anything, but instead everything by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known uh, to God. So stress will damage our life. It damages our, our life. If you read anything in the field of medicine, you, you understand it has tremendous impacts on you physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and certainly we'll see it today relationally as well. It weighs you down. I love the way the Shulamite bride put it as she talked about all the pressure that was on her life. She, she confesses what this has done to her. She said, my mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Ever feel that way? I mean, you, life is so filled with stress, I have absolutely no time to even take care of myself. And that's what a, a paraphrased version says, I had no time to care for myself. So a hectic lifestyle will increase the opportunity for stress, anxiety to take place in your life. Secondly, we're going to find out along with that, you're going to lose your joy. The faster you move in life, the less time you're going to be able to enjoy the life that God has given you. Job 9.25 says, my days are swifter than a runner. <laughs> Do you ever feel? I thought, man, this was written quite a while ago. But talk about a commentary on the 20th, 21st century. My days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no, uh, tova is the word. They see no, in the ESV it translates it good, but it could say these days are running so quickly that they don't see any cheerfulness anymore. There's no prosperity anymore, any good anymore. It isn't pleasing anymore. 
And the fact of the matter is, and I know I'm speaking to you, uh, many of you are believers in Jesus Christ, ministry can sometimes feel that way. I am so busy, it is going so fast, the joy's gone. It's just not even pleasing anymore. And then thirdly, uh, we get to the point where we don't even hear God. That's why Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and be exalted in the earth. When really was the last time that you took time to really be with God? Even our quiet times sometimes seem to be rushed. Got to get it done. It's on schedule. It's on Outlook. It's on Evernote. Get it done. And the stress will short-circuit that eighth cranial nerve. And then all of a sudden, we're no longer even hearing God. I'm going to give you a couple of different examples out of Luke chapter 10. When we went through Luke a couple of years ago, we hit it. But they're such great examples, I think, to us. And first, I'm going to introduce you to the home. Jesus was at a point in his life where the very nation that was to embrace him and receive him is rejecting him. And he found respite in a favorite family right outside of Jerusalem, just to the south and just to the east of Jerusalem, just actually the southern slope of the Mount of Olives was this little town called Bethany. Uh, it was probably a 10-minute walk, 15-minute walk from Jerusalem, so very close. And uh, in this town of Bethany, there was Lazarus, and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, lived there. And he would frequently go there for refreshment and for hospitality. So I want to introduce you to the passage. So let's all stand together. I'd love for us to read this passage together. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? You're so anxious. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. There is so much in that one little paragraph, but what I'd like for us to do is to look at a couple of different kinds of faith. I want us to look, first of all, at the distracted faith of Martha. Now, let me just tell you right up front, I read a number of commentaries on this passage, and Martha tends to get ripped in these passages. Um, I think unjustly so. Uh, many will uncover the shallowness of her devotion and will extol Mary about the blessedness of her contemplative life. But I'll assure you, here at Parkview, if we need anything done, we go for Martha. We go for Martha. We love Mary's, but if anything has to get done, 
you're looking for Martha. Martha's favorite motto is, if a job is worth doing, it is worth doing right. She's got some favorite verses too. Let me hit you with one of her favorite verses. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And she would say, don't just stand there, do something. And I think the classic picture of Martha later on, as when her brother Lazarus dies, Jesus goes, he tells him to remove the stone to raise him from the dead, and Martha uh, yells out, Lord, he's been dead for four days, he, he stinketh. Some, for some reason, it just sounds a whole lot less crass in the King James. Uh, but she's incredibly practical. Martha serves, and Martha gets things done. There's a problem with Martha, though, and I think it's a common problem that many of us might have, and that is Martha quickly gets overloaded because she doesn't delegate. The reason she doesn't delegate is because, by golly, she wants it done right, and uh, she wants it done with excellence, and she doesn't hesitate to tell you exactly what she thinks. Unfortunately, this kind of personality uh, gets easily distracted away from devotion. But on, so that's on the, on the other hand. There's Mary, the undistracted faith. Uh, she's very contemplative. Uh, she is one who would eagerly curl up on a chair with a, a new book or a commentary or, or her Bible and would quickly uh, memorize verses uh, she would buy a new commentary or she'd buy a new cover for her Bible where Martha would be at Ace Hardware buying a um, new pipe wrench to fix somebody's toilet. Um, Rudyard Kipling, who is an English author, English, um, an English man who won the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1907, uh, wrote this. He said, the sons of Mary lay their burdens on the Lord, who in turn lays them on the sons of Martha. Um, I, I think Kipling would say, it's great to pray, but if you really want to get something done, you look for Martha. Uh, both Mary, both Martha are, are very marvelous people, to be sure. One thing I don't want you to do, I don't want you to walk out of here and say, well, I need to start being lazy for Jesus' sake. You know, if you walk out with that message, you've walked out with the wrong message. So let me phrase it a little bit differently. God has made us all very different. We have different talents. You know, there's the five-talent man, the one-talent man, the ten-talent man. In other words, if you've ever seen it on these uh, circus programs where a person might grab these little sticks with the plates and start spinning plates, God has made us all different. God has made some people to spin 10 plates. God has made some people to spin five plates. God has made some people to spin one plate. The point of this passage is, if God has made you to spin 10 plates, you're going to find the most fulfillment and the most joy in life spinning 10 plates, not spinning five because Mary spins five. If God has made you to spend five plates, you're not going to find a lot of joy and happiness and fulfillment by spending eight or ten. 
you're going to find the most amount of joy spinning five. There's another ingredient that's very critical that we learn from this passage. Notice that Jesus doesn't commend Mary for what she's not doing. He commends her for what she is doing. Likewise, Jesus um, doesn't correct Martha for what she's doing. He doesn't correct her for serving. He corrects her for the attitude with which she's serving. She serves with an attitude that comes from a very distracted faith. So let's look at faith's big challenge. It's a classic problem. So here we are. We, we have every good intention. If God has made us to be a five-plate spinner, with every good intention, with faith, with joy, we want to serve God, we want to bless God, we want to serve others, and we want to love Jesus by spinning those five plates. But when things don't go as planned, what happens? Good motives, good heart, want to serve Jesus, want to love Jesus, but when things don't go as planned, when the temperature doesn't go down, when the car doesn't crank up, when the chemo doesn't work, or in Martha's case, when the, when the oven overheats, when the bread doesn't rise, when the food burns, what happens then? That's the challenge to any faith, and faith can get distracted. And so Jesus notices this, the challenge to faith. So Jesus' immediate uh, response to Martha is, verse 41, Martha, you are so anxious, troubled about so many things. Or to use Luke's words, Luke said, Martha was distracted, disattracted, distracted, with much serving. Perspao is the word. Martha, you're so busy, you are going in all directions. Perspao. You're going in multiple directions. So Martha, you've lost focus. What happened was, when things didn't go as planned, she started with the right heart, started with the right energy, started with her love for Jesus, but when things didn't go as planned, she gets distracted and she begins to substitute her ministry for herself. And Jesus gets hers now, but he doesn't get her. You see the difference? What did she get distracted by? She got distracted by her very work for God. Now, I know we live here, University of Iowa is here. Um, many are here who have gone through the University of Iowa. Maybe you're attending here. And uh, boy, you, you think of the life of a student and you, you think of the papers that you have to write, the projects that need to be turned in, the assignments, the labs to go for. And now on top of that, many have to work X number of hours a week. Uh, perhaps you, you attend a community group or attend church. 
And um, boy, you get to the end of the year and then all of a sudden you realize, man, I had all the right motives, but spiritually I am so dried up. And the same thing happens in a church. It happens at school. It happens in life. And all of a sudden ministry gets ahead of relationship. And, and maybe it's because, like Martha, we just don't want to delegate. Maybe it's because we have this ideal of how it should be and we want it done right for some reason. I gave you one of Martha's favorite verses. Here's another one, James 2, 17. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. I think if Jesus could get Martha at this point and say, Martha, you really need to learn something, and that is, Martha, Martha, listen, if it's really worth doing for me, then it's worth doing simply. I would say that's the big idea of what Jesus is trying to get across to Martha. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing simply. In other words, it's worth doing enough to give me honor, to give me pleasure, to give me glory. But Martha, if you're really doing it for another motive, if you're really doing it for yourself, to try and prove something to yourself, or to try and prove, so prove something to others, then it's not going to be done simply. Again, I'm not pleading for mediocrity at all. The word simple doesn't mean mediocre. It means enough what God expects to give him joy and glory. So don't commit yourself to a ministry in and of itself. You commit yourself to relationship with Jesus Christ and let ministry flow out of that. So let's look at faith precipitation. What flows out of it? For undistracted faith, we see this fruit of a relationship. Just like fruit from a tree, obviously you have two things come together. You have the roots in the ground, and then you've got this strange relationship between the roots in the ground drawing up nutriments, and then you've got this photosynthesis that's taking place, and you, you take these two magical things together, and fruit is the result. It's the same way in our spiritual life. You know, if you're trying to say, hey, I want to be a godly man or I want to be a godly woman, you don't become a godly man or a godly woman because you say, okay, I want to become, I'm going to work hard at being a godly man. I'm going to do the right things to be a godly man. No, you're a godly man because you spend time with God. <laughs> And when you spend time with God, again, you've got that confluence of you're rooted in the Word of God and you've got this photosynthetic power of the Holy Spirit that taking, that's taking the Word of God into your life and it's producing fruit, not work, dead work, but living fruit. The precipitation of distracted faith is something very different. It's not fruit. It's not life. It's something very mechanical. 
Martha was distracted. She was separated from God. And because she was separated from God at this point, and I'm not saying she didn't love God or care for Jesus. She obviously did. She adored Jesus. I mean, she was the one who went to the door. Remember how the passage starts? She's the one that invited him in. It wasn't Mary. It was Martha. She adores Jesus. But she, instead of doing things simply for Jesus, <laughs> she got so overdone with it for some reason, lot, probably lots of reasons, we find herself now separated not only from Jesus, but separated from everybody else, separated from Mary. And I think when ministry becomes a job, something happens in your relationship with people. When ministry doesn't flow out of your relationship to God and ministry becomes an obligatory commitment rather than flowing out of relationship, then people become tools and people become a bother. Did you catch that? That is one of the dangers of distracted faith. When you are so driven to accomplish projects that people become tools and become bothers. Listen to Martha. Lord, don't you care? Now, what kind of relationship is that? She, she's probably glaring at Mary at this point, and then she finishes the verse. Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Now, how do you think Mary felt about that? Jesus, don't, don't you care that my sister Mary, the sluggard, has left me to serve alone? She obviously could have gone in very quietly. Hey, Mary, do you mind giving me a hand for a second? But no, instead, this is a 16-place luncheon that's going on now. 16 places, and she just found out about it, okay? It was spur of the moment, 16, and Jesus is, is um, part of the 16. How would you have felt? I'll tell you what, when a servant loses their relationship with God, um, they're going to be very aware of everything they are doing and everything you are not doing. And that's where Martha was. Very aware of everything she was doing and very aware of everything Mary was not doing. So what's the priority? I love the way Jesus responds. Hey, if you're a leader at a church, community group, I mean, here's a great response. How do you deal with somebody like this? I mean, church discipline. I mean, you take the cattle prod and zap them. Church, you know, what, what do you do? Somebody like this. I love how Jesus responded to Martha. He knew Martha loved him. And just immediately, you see the name repeated, which is a, which is a way to express endearment. Martha, Martha. See how disarming that is? He didn't get upset at her. Martha, Martha, tenderness. You're anxious, troubled about many things. Only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which won't be taken away. Or he could have said, Martha, Martha, 
if something is really worth doing for me, it's worth doing simply so that you don't miss out on the best part, so that you don't miss out on our relationship together. So, so Martha, I hope you're not doing all this for something other than me. I sure hope you're not just doing it for yourself or doing it to impress other people because, Martha, after all, I am a single 33-year-old man. I don't need all of this. I don't need so much. A glass of water, a bagel would be just fine. Really, Martha, the only thing I really need is what Mary's given me. And that's relationship. So I don't know about your Christian life. Sometimes does your Christian life deteriorate into really nothing more than just a busy Christian lifestyle with busy Christian projects and busy Christian ministries and busy Christian meetings? Is your Christian life reduced down to Christian idioms, down to Christian doctrine, down to Christian nomenclature? If it reduces down to those things, let me tell you, it will debilitate your life. It'll sap the joy right out of it, and you're going to miss out on the very best part. Because 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why he called us. He called us to have a relationship with him. So don't let busyness substitute for the relationship. You know, the truth of the matter is, over the last couple of weeks, looking at this passage again, I have been so thankful for it. I have needed this so bad. Over the last number of months, the focus has been so powerful on succession. My whole heart's desire has been that this would go so well and focus on new job descriptions and focus on transitions and focus on, you know, there have been so many things, uh, job searches. And, and uh, then over the last couple of weeks, we've had two weeks solid. They all left yesterday, but we've had almost 20 people in our home. We don't have a big house either. We've had about 20 people, and it's sort of gone up and down and up and down and grandkids and, and all that, and I'm obsessive-compulsive, and it's driving me nuts, and uh, <laughs> you know, Cheryl just handles it perfectly. And, and, I, and I'll tell you the truth is, you know, Martha, Martha, I can just so identify with Martha. You know, I mean, that's, that's why I've loved this passage so much. And even last week, I can, I can remember just starting to bark at people. You know, last week I barked at, at two of our elders, you know, and sort of barked at them and came to a head. One of my grandkids spilled something. They missed the trash can. I barked at them and... I remember, I remember calling Mark. Mark was sitting up here in the first service. I called Mark Mesnick. I said, Mark, I said, I really need a heart check. I said, can we get together? 
I need a heart check. And uh, so he graciously met. And so he, he brought with him something that, that had ministered to him over the years. And he said, I used to read this every day. So I got it. And it was, if you know Mark Mesnick, 37 verses, on <laughs> two pages on, on dying to self. You know, what does it mean to die to self? And so I got it and I read it. And I thought, boy, this is absolutely what I need. So I laminated it. I had Debbie laminate it and I have it on my desk now. I read it. I read both pages every day now and it, it has helped so, so much. Um, because to me, when I was looking at other people, I was thinking, why don't they get in line? And the whole problem was I was radically out of line. It, it wasn't, I was so concentrated. You've heard the expression of the speck and the log. You know, I was carrying around the log looking at specks. And it was like Mary and Martha. Lord, don't you care that my sister? That was me. It was people around me. So I'm really thankful for this passage. That... Jesus actually chose me to have a relationship with me. And if, and if I don't prioritize that, it is going to impact people around me in a negative way. So don't fill your life. Here's the plea. Don't fill your life with a bunch of Christian ritual and miss out on the relationship. Don't just fill your life with a bunch of Christian work and miss out on real worship. Don't fill your life with just a whole bunch of Christian idiom and miss out on your genuine identification with Jesus Christ. I love Psalm 42.1. It says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. You know, how often does a deer need water? Every hour. A deer needs water constantly. But when you think about it, what amazed me, I mean, here when you think of where the Bible was written and the land in which the Bible was written about, you know, in the East, the most prolific animal was the camel. But nowhere in the Bible, from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation, are we ever likened to a camel. And I think the reason is we're likened to the deer. We're like, likened to sheep because they're so stupid. We're likened to deer because they need water all the time. Uh, so I'm called to be like the deer who pants for God like I'm panting for streams of, of the water brook. I'm not called to be a camel. Okay, Jeff, here I am Sunday morning. You know, give me a big gulp to carry me through to next Sunday. No, we're not camels. We're designed to feed with him, to drink with him. Your soul pants for Jesus constantly. Otherwise, our faith gets so distracted. Uh, so a couple of questions. These questions would be great if you, in your home, in your community group. Uh, what about what happens in your life? You, you start with all great intentions to love Jesus, to serve Jesus, and then all of a sudden things don't go as planned what happens to you? How do you react? 
Is your Christian life a joy because your ministry is flowing out of your relationship with Christ? And the joy is going to come. If you're a ten-plate spinner, the, joys, the maximum joy is going to happen when you're doing it for Christ with the right attitude, spinning ten plates. That's where the joy is, not spinning five. You won't have maximum joy if he designed you to spin ten and you're spinning five. And it's just saying, I'm being, Martha, I'm being Mary. I don't want to be Martha. Are you there? Are you doing that? And when you're doing something, are you doing it simply enough? Or are you doing it for yourself or for the audience of others rather than the audience of Christ? If it's worth doing, big idea, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing simply. Simply for Jesus, too. Because you're doing it with the right motive. Is your Christian life a joy. I think a man, a woman alone with God with a broken heart daily pleading, oh God, change my life is absolutely critical. If that's not happening, your spiritual life is on path for disaster. So what's the prescription? Real quick, so what's the so what? Real quickly, faith will sit. Mary has chosen what is better. Did you catch it? Mary has chosen what's better. In other words, Mary had to discipline herself to do what's better. She chose to do what's better. Do you remember the, the movie Chariots of Fire with Mark Liddell? Um, He's a great Presbyterian ministry, uh, minister, uh, missionary. He lost his life in a Chinese internment camp in the 1940s at the end of the war. He died of a tumor while he was in the prison camp. And there was a, another man who was a prisoner with him and watched him morning after morning. And he wrote about the secret of, of Eric's life. He wrote this. He said, every morning at 6 a.m. we could set our watch by a peanut oil lamp that went on in uh, Liddell's cubicle. There you could see the silhouette of Liddell rolling out of his bed, taking his Bible, his paper, his pen, his head going down in prayer. He would raise it for the next hour. You would see him reading, underlining, stopping, folding his hands. When this man was writing this, he said, I was afraid to even go into his cubicle uh, when he was in his time of prayer because I was afraid to step into the Holy of Holies. Do you spend time with God. So faith sits. But it's not just that faith sits. It's where faith sits. It's not just that you sit. It's where you sit. Faith sits at Jesus' feet. See, otherwise, knowledge, information really doesn't change you. Knowledge or information will puff you up, but it won't change you. It's only when you sit at Jesus' feet do you become changed. Truth of the matter is, to many people, the Bible can seem so archaic. It can seem so dusty. It can seem so old and harmless until... You take that Bible 
off of the shelf and you sit at Jesus' feet and you open its cover and you pull the pin on personal vulnerability and you allow the Holy Spirit to take the very words of God, penetrate your heart, that Bible will explode in your face. And that Bible will open your life up to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and will even discern the difference between the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. That's what the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit will do in your life. It won't happen unless you sit, not just sit, but it's where you sit at Jesus' feet. And it's not just that you sit, it's not just where you sit, it's that you also act. What happened to Martha? John 12, six days before Jesus' death. Where do you see her? Serving again. There is nothing wrong with her service. You don't put down your service. If you want joy in your life, if he designed you to spend 10 plates by the power of the Holy Spirit, joy in your heart, time with Christ, you spend 10 plates. That's where the fullness of joy will be. So don't put down your service. You know, this week, I'll tell you, I've been, again, so blessed. Just, just the challenge of, of Mark to, to give me this, the dying to self. By the way, I, I told Debbie, I said, I'm going to mention this in the service. I asked Mark's permission. If anybody wants these two sheets, dying to self, if you'll just tell Debbie, she's the one sitting out, out there at the table, hey, Debbie, send me that file. She'll pop it to you or send her an email, call her. Uh, I'll give you her personal cell phone. You can call her. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it, it's just, it's been great. It's been great uh, for me to be able to read that. Uh, as we die to self, we become more and more conformed to the very image of Christ as we spend time in his word and then just ask the Holy Spirit to unleash your life to pour his Holy Spirit through your life to impact and to be a blessing to others. And when that happens, we're going to be the James one, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That, that word is going to bring full fruit, not work, but fruit out of your life. Well, let me give you, I'm going to close in prayer. But then, so three things, I'm going to do three things. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to give you an announcement, and then we're going to sing. I'll tell you what, let me give you the announcement first. I, it's a reminder. The reminder is for those of you who are members, if you can't stay for that very short meeting at 12.15, from 12.15 to 12.30, if you can't stay for that to vote for the community group's pastor, please, on your way out, stop at that table with Debbie Meadows and um, go ahead and fill out your ballot and put that in as an absentee. If you can stay, we'd love, we'd love to have you. Let's, let's all stand up. I'm going to pray, and then we'll close with a song. Father, we want to thank you. Um, well, I really thank you that you didn't get mad at Mary, at, at Martha, because, uh, Lord, uh, I... I Man, I am so much like her. So we begin to give your son, we begin to give our Savior ours, but not us, just like Martha gave hers, but she didn't give her. And we see, Lord, uh, your words, and that the one thing that is very necessary 
is you. And uh, we need to sit with you and enjoy that time at your feet. And, oh, Lord, as the deer pants for streams of water, so our souls pants for you, oh, Lord. And so I just pray, Father, that you would allow us, teach us, Lord, not to be so fundamental in our mechanics that we know all the right ologies, that we know all the right isms. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would teach us not to be scribes, teach us to be prophets who live face-to-face with you. Make us to be people who sit like Mary, but then get up from worship and in the power of the Holy Spirit, walk and work like Martha. We pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Parkview's mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. If you live in the Iowa City area, we invite you to join us in person for services every weekend. You can get service times and directions, download messages, and get news and information about Parkview Church by visiting www.parkviewchurch.org. You can also contact us by phone at 319-354-5580 or write to us at Parkview Church, 15 Foster Road, Iowa City, Iowa, 52245.